0: The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message data rates may apply. Reply stop opt out.
1: Let's get started on more of our MJ Business Conference coverage here on Cannabis Radio.com and Grassroots Marketing. And my next guest, I was actually talking just before we got on and mentioning that we met going back to 2016 in San Jose. So it's been a while, we, at least for me, to go ahead and catch up with our guest. But uh, he has been featured over on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice and, among other things, so let's go ahead and bring on board one of the founding partners of Canna Advisors, Jay Sarkowski. Jay, thanks for being on with us again on Cannabis Radio. Thanks for having me again. It's always a pleasure. As as for us as well. So there's an article that came across from Boulder Weekly that I thought there was a number of things they brought up that I thought I'd love to be able to expand on that for you because there's only so many words they can write on, in, in their articles, their, their limitations. So in the article, there was a portion that stood out to me. I want to talk about a couple of things that were brought up. So the, first of all, they mentioned that, quote, some cautious states are choosing to only legalize medicinally while their neighbors leap at the opportunity to go full recreation. Some states allow dispensaries to sell cannabis they grow themselves, while others require totally separate licenses for cultivation and dispensing. Some states, like California, have created as Many as 20 different cannabis license certif- classifications like retail, distribution, cultivation, manufacturing, medical use, adult use, testing, etc., while others like Alaska only have a handful. And this is where I get to you, Jay. I'm gonna ask you about first of all, one of the most significant policy distinctions between states with legal cannabis is whether or not they choose to restrict the number of cannabis licenses issued. If they do, that makes it incredibly competitive for hopeful business owners to obtain a license and break it to the industry. You also said in the article that it also dramatically affects the shape and nature of a state's legal cannabis industry. When... States limit the number of cannabis licenses It can often box out smaller businesses and entrepreneurs in favor of applicants that have more resources. In Connecticut, for example, the state government elected to issue just four cultivation licenses for the entire state when it legalized. It was the first state to have a truly merit-based application process, and you explained it was extremely competitive. So take me a little bit into the idea of limiting the amount of licenses and the, the amount of red tape.
2: Sure. So it's, it's all in perception, right, of the state and local government officials, especially in the earlier days. Um, you know, California never really had any restrictions on the number of licenses. When Colorado's industry began to blow up in 2009, not only were there, well, first of all, in 2009, there were no licenses even available. People just began to open up these businesses. But Colorado, when Colorado began to implement regulation in 2010, 2011, 2012, they stuck with that open program, and that was significant. And I believe that's the reason that the industry in Colorado was so successful and became really a a bellwether and a benchmark for other states, whether good or bad, and I'll get to that, was that the industry in Colorado was open to everybody. So Let the cream rise to the top, right? It it also meant it was highly competitive. A lot of these early businesses in Colorado uh, could not compete, so they closed up shop. So now you enter into all the new states. Connecticut, as you mentioned. Connecticut passed the medical bill legislatively in 2012. And other states, Uh, for better or for worse, the, the naysayers would point to Colorado and say, oh, there's a pot shop on every corner. There's more marijuana dispensaries than Starbucks, blah, blah, blah. So... These states were concerned, so at least initially, these states limited the number of licenses. And I, I think that was the, the early reason um, why a lot of states did that. And, you know, to this day, most of the states out there do have a limited number of licenses available.
1: And then you may mention in, the, in, in this article about the fact of how Connecticut did so well, but it is, there, there's no universal model. Like, I'm just looking today, <laughs> just if I do a Google search You have in South Dakota, they're doing a lottery for licenses. Rhode Island's actually adding new licenses out there. New Jersey has had a bit of a delay sputtering out licenses. And, you know, even there's also lawsuits right now in Illinois challenging the licensing process to be consolidated. And this is at a time where I'm sure there is the thought process of getting the licenses all acquired and building MSOs, because it looks like that's what everybody wants to do right now, going back to 2016 when we first talked. You're looking back and saying, okay, first it was the corporate C-level executives, the Fortune 1000 people coming into the space, embedding themselves in. And then these corporations and companies are going to start coming in the same way. They're going to want to prepare to acquire, merge, access, and be able to become multi-state operators. That's what the, the current trend looks like. Do you agree?
2: To some degree, I I, I do. I I don't think becoming a multi-state operator is the end-all, end-all. I'll use New York as an example, and even California. Um, I I think you could create a very successful single-state operation in a state that has a good program with lots of people, with lots of customers, build that up and and have a very successful exit to a larger company one day. Uh, The sentiment that I've heard when I was in Las Vegas uh, last week, was uh, certainly had to do with uh, both of those uh, tracks. Some folks certainly want to expand in other states. Some are more than happy just to continue to build their footprint in a single state. Now, you mentioned the various programs, uh, including some lotteries and some lawsuits. The trend that I've seen over the last couple of years is whenever there's a competitive application process with limited license licenses available there's almost always gonna be some kind of a lawsuit. Why? Because you have the folks that did not win the license, they're not happy, they wanna fight for their license in court. And a lot of times these groups, it's a war of attrition, they hang in there and they wear the state down and eventually, sometimes, these groups will get a license. Well, these new states, they've watched this trend, they've seen it happen, and they're now looking for ways to avoid those lawsuits. One way to avoid the lawsuit, potentially, is with the lottery. But as we're finding in Illinois, even uh, a process that involves a lottery could, um, you know, be be, be fraught with uh, landmines that lead to a lawsuit like in
1: Illinois. Yep. By the way, I want to give uh, the, that you're on your website, thinkcana.com, C-A-N-N-A, that you, your, your blog. What I really love is you have the resources there where you're offering legislative and licensing updates on the website to give that information all in comprehensive in one place because it's just working and doing what you're doing right now which uh moving into my next question is that you're working on competitive licensing that you really to just it's basically like you're working almost in legal uh, consultation because which we know we're not but we're just saying the fact that You have to be so well read and so caught up on what every state's doing right now, the 39 states, and they're all doing it different. And no one is really, we can't, I don't even know if federal government will even intervene to create some kind of a universal model, but we're seeing so much of a difference, and it's got to be confusing for some. Certainly,
2: and I'll I'll address the federal government issue first, in, in my opinion. I'm not a politician or an attorney. But I, I think most people in the know would agree that the federal government could legalize cannabis today, i.e. just completely remove it from the controlled substances uh, schedule. Yeah. They could do that this afternoon and tomorrow. The world hasn't changed one bit, except for the fact that maybe you know, banks and institutional investors will feel more comfortable getting involved. So this is still a, a state-licensed program from state to state. And the states are going to have to change their laws to be able to take advantage of federal legalization. An example might be in Colorado right now, it's a state law. Any cannabis grown here it needs to be sold here. And anything sold, of course, has to be grown. It's all in state. Colorado could change its laws to allow for import in California, vice versa. But those types of state laws are going to have to to change to take advantage of federal legalization. And In terms of competitive licenses versus not, I'll be completely candid that most people know that I feel this way, that I do believe that the right thing to do is to have an open program with no limits on licenses. I do believe that the industry will develop for the better, Um, let everybody have a chance, let the cream rise to the top, let the underdog compete with the, uh, the MSO. And that's that's, that's our, our country. That's capitalism. Um, I do believe that's the best way to go. That said, when it is competitive, if it's competitive in any way, shape, or form, then yes, that's where my business comes in. And that's where we, we do really well and also do well well by our clients. But I'll always stand up for an open program.
1: So let's kind of follow up on that. Now, Boulder, we also explain how you said that limited license model is the healthiest, strongest approach to legalization and that the quote unquote bread and butter of what Canada Advisors does depends on states doing exactly the opposite. He said, quote, the majority of the work that we do as consultants is actually competitive licensing and most small businesses and entrepreneurs cannot compete on paper with well established wealth resource, firmly backed big businesses or wealthy investors applying for the same licenses. And it does come down to looking good on paper going to expand on that as well
2: sure i'm not sure if i said that the uh, no the not the second operator.
1: paragraph the ending was competitive licensing end quote right yeah
2: i mean smaller i mean i see smaller players you know i see the underdog compete against
1: this big business
2: the time um and you know certainly sometimes be successful in a lot of those situations it's you know because we're involved with the underdog um but that is true the, the best programs, and I'll use Colorado as an example, Colorado, I believe, was the first state to develop a truly robust industry that was in compliance with state law. You know, California has a great industry, of course, but it was the Wild West in California for decades, for generations. So, you know, everybody getting back into compliance, I, I, I made this comment, you know, six years ago, seven years ago, That it was probably going to take generations you know for for compliance to fully take hold you know colorado really only had about a year of the wild west and then it you know pretty quickly fell into line in a very robust program developed, um you know those that worked hard that created a good product at a good price point and provided top-notch customer service whether that customer was a dispensary or that customer was the retail consumer those businesses did well and that really is um in my opinion, uh, the best way to roll out a program, which of course runs completely counter to my, my business model. Now, now I, I will say mm-hmm. that I'm not the guy that makes these state laws. So, if the state law is limited licenses, highly competitive, well, that is good for me.
1: Yeah, I exactly. But you'd hope that you you'd see more companies that would do that kind of route. But again, you're working you're working within the system. You're finding the best routes to to, to make this work for. Uh, clients now the other thing i want to ask is about we know that there's always been a very vocal portion of the industry that wants to make sure there's social equity that there's, there's, there's opportunity zones that small business owners of different different disenfranchisement or ethnicity or different various uh situations that everybody gets a chance in this industry to thrive but uh, as you said it's about looking good on paper and how much room do you think there might be down the line once this is all said and done? Will big businesses really take the most control or is there room for the small business owner once the legalization comes in to get their license and also be able to go and carve out their own piece of the pie?
2: Yeah, I I absolutely believe that there, there is always going to be room for the small business, always room for new innovation I mean, look at any other, you know, consumer packaged goods product or industry. Um, like, there's, there's some really, really big beer companies that like we talked about Las Vegas. When I was in Las Vegas, the only thing they carried was beer from the big beer companies. Yep. I don't drink that stuff. I don't know anybody else that enjoys drinking, you know, Bud White or, you know, Heidenkin or what I'd call factory beer. Right. In Boulder, Colorado, you know, we've had dozens if not hundreds of microbreweries that's what I enjoy, you know. Same with food, supplements, drinks, you know, on and on and on. Um, I don't see how some big national company. I mean, think about it, right? There is so much brand loyalty in the cannabis industry. The only way a big company is coming in and taking over is if they, you know, they're not going to they're not going to rebuild the wheel. They're going to acquire those brands. Absolutely. Uh, that, Absolutely. And you know, and then they become a big company. Okay. That's fine, but there's always going to be new entrants, new smaller players. If they're successful, maybe they maybe they get acquired too. That's good for them. But yeah, I I don't ever see a day where it's not possible to start a new cannabis company from scratch and uh, do well. I don't think I'm gonna. I don't think we're we're gonna get there in my lifetime.
1: No, there's a really when I've talked to a lot of people here on the network when you're hearing about craft cannabis, where you're hearing <clears throat> about just finding new strains or finding new cannabinoids to work off of. Now, you know, down the line, we're going to get THCO, THC acetate, HHC, Delta 10, Delta 9. It, there's going to be certain people are going to be innovative and forward thinking that these bigger companies cannot keep up with. But like you said, they're not going to build it. They're going to take what's already built and make a better mousetrap with it. They're just going to go ahead and probably just improve or just, you know, take advantage of the particular business model and just take on top of that. Yeah, you know, yeah, they have the money to go and do that. And they just need to be smart enough not to go and break what's, what doesn't need to be broken.
2: Exactly. And that, that innovator could be anybody. It could be me. It could be you. It could be any number of you know social equity applicants from Washington, DC to, to Illinois. Um, you know, not everybody wins in this industry. So, you know, not every social equity group is going to be successful. Just like, you know, you average out these new entrants across the board, right? There's a certain subset that's, that's not going to win. Uh, but then, you know, more exciting, there is a, a subset, of course, that is going to win, uh, that is going to develop some new product or compound or who knows what at this point and have a successful exit and be able to take care, uh, take care of their family, kids, grandkids. And that's a beautiful thing.
1: Wonderful. Well, as we already know, you've uh, done so much work with Can Advisors, and we want to make sure to go ahead and lead people over to go ahead and talk to you or, into or to Diana and your team. So, real quickly, website is thinkcanna.com. And, real quickly, uh, if anybody looks to reach out to you, anything you want to go ahead and just give an insight, uh, take a last minute or so to talk to our listeners about what they should do, about why they should go ahead and consider speaking with you. Uh, When it comes to building the cannabis industry, along with what you're doing,
2: sure, we're really narrowly focused. Um, I mean, honestly, my business model—I don't think it's changed in in the nine years since we opened up shop. The majority of what we do is building businesses. It's really securing licenses and building businesses uh, in new states. So, I mean, right now, between in the Northeast, New Jersey, New York, um, you know, Connecticut, uh, there's there's as many people there as there are in all of California with hardly any industry uh, that the Northeast is probably going to be our main focus for the next few years. But yeah, we still build, build new businesses.
1: And so a lot more States to be uh, green lit they gonna be a part of this whole thing very soon. And there's still a lot of markets and, and who knows what else changes going down the line. It's uh, still that we're still most in that primary time of the industry where uh, we don't have the, the time as to when legalization happens, but all the building up to it is really the fun part. Anyway, thank you so much again. Founding partner of Canada Advisors, Jay Sarkowski, here on Cannabis Radio. Thanks again for making time to join us. Glad to have you on.
2: Thank you. We'll talk to you again soon.
1: The we're going family
0: style deal.
2: Because I want a bite of your Big Mac.
0: And I need some of your quarter Pops. I'll
2: try your filet of
0: fish There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just 6 bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting enrolls for recurring, automated text marketing messages. Message data rates may apply. Reply. Stop. Stop. out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level.
1: I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school.
0: Text KID to 323232.